And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We've looked forward to this Sunday for a long time now because Rick and Jane Collins are with us. And, uh, you know, Kathy and I first met Rick and Jane last February. They came and Rick was actually speaking in the Christian Education Conference that our district was putting on. And they hosted it here on a Saturday. And Brother Rick agreed to stay and speak for us. And, you know, there's sometimes you meet people and you just feel like you've known them all your life. And it's been that way for Kathy and I with Rick and Jane. And uh, just before Brother Rick comes, Jane, how about standing and just wave to everybody? Just... Everybody give her a big round of applause. Mrs. Jane Collins, she and Rick have pastored in South Carolina and in Georgia. And uh, for the uh, most recent future, uh, most recent future, most recent past, Rick served as the district superintendent of the Assemblies of God in the state of Georgia. And he's now traveling and writing and uh, he's a great man of God. He, some of you will remember last year he came and he brought an anchor with him. And he, and he talked about holding the anchor. And it's a tremendous illustration. And I want you to put your hands together as Brother Rick Collins comes to minister to us. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Amen. I, I didn't bring my anchor today. But uh, I pray that God will teach us and lead us. Before I begin, it's good to be here again. And it's always great to be uh, with uh, your pastor and his lovely wife. They have uh, shown us true hospitality and love. You know, there's an old adage that says, uh, the devil is in the details. How many of you have heard that before? I like to turn that around because that, that adage originally was God is in the details. God is in the details. And, and that's the way I believe it. I believe that when God created the heavens and the earth and spun this universe into being, he was into the details. That's why we still stand on earth. Amen? Otherwise, we'd be flying around like crazy. But I want to tell you something I found in your pastor and his wife. They, uh, they rejoice in the details. He finds God in the details. And uh, everything from dinner last night to the great room they put us in and uh, the fruit in the room, everything has been great always. And I appreciate it so much. Thank you, Terrell. Kathy, God bless you. If you have your Bibles this morning, you want to turn with me. I'll be taking just a part of a verse from Genesis, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. You glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Let's warm it up in here for the Lord. Amen. What a wonderful time of praise and worship this morning. Thank you. That was marvelous. Very short passage. The end of the verse, it says, And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you this is God speaking to Abraham Abraham had left his people had left his land and had traveled without knowing where following God's command 
In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham lands there and Bethel. And the Bible says that God speaks to him, giving him a tremendous promise, but also declaring what his plan is for this world through Abraham. This morning, I want to talk about through you, God's plan for this world through you. Just as God called Abraham, he's calling you and I that he might work through us in this world. This is a foundational promise. It is at the heart and the core of our salvation and our very existence. God wants to bless through us. God wants to bless through us. I'm going to say it again until I get a bigger amen. God wants to bless through us. I can move on. Let's pray. Father, this is your time. We're your people. This is your house. We declare, Lord, that we are poor and pitiful without you. God, we have to have you. We need you, Lord. God, as you are present in this house, speak to us and allow us to hear your voice. God, we lay claim to the fact that we're your sheep and we're not going to follow just any shepherd. And we thank you that you're going to do that. Thank you for allowing us to be part of this great plan of salvation for this world. In Jesus' name, amen. You're an instrument. God wants to partner with you. God is looking for partners. God is saying, I'm on one side and the people of the earth are on the other, and I must get at them through you. I must get to them through you. Now, 10, 20 years ago, there used to be a very common saying, and it was, if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have died for you. How many of you have ever heard that? And while that may be true, it's not the truth. The truth is, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. He didn't die for one person. He didn't die for this collective body alone. He died for the entire world. And it's important for us to understand this, that God wants to work through us because he has big plans. Now, when I was in Bible college, I remember one verse that they told us was really key to understanding what God was doing. And that verse was Galatians chapter four and verse four. And it said, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And I remember those professors at Southeastern College standing up and saying, you have to understand the timing, why Jesus came when he did. And they said the reason was, at that time, there was peace on earth. 
The Roman rule had brought peace on earth by and large. So they said, first of all, they didn't have to contend with armies. Secondly, he said, the Romans had built a tremendous system of roads through the world so that it was easy to to traverse from nation to nation, that people could go out and walk and make it to these foreign places. And thirdly, they said, there was a common language, the Greek language. And because of this language that nearly all the known world was using, they were able to converse. They were able to carry on commerce and business And the gospel was being able to be preached to the entire world through this common language. I've thought about that quite often. Because it's important for us to understand the timing of God. Now, lately, I don't know about you, but I don't know if the internet is a bigger curse or a bigger blessing. Amen? I mean, it's good to talk to Aunt Nellie without going there. Amen. But it's bad that you got to wade through all the junk to get to Aunt Nellie. It's good that God's goodness is being proclaimed. It's bad that all the other stuff is coming through it. And as I've looked at it, I have gone back and forth from cursing to blessing. And by cursing, I mean, I wish it was gone to thank God for it. But in the world today, may I submit to you that it's the fullness of time? Never before have we been linked like we are today. Never before has travel allowed us to be in so many places with so little difficulty as it is today. Never before has there been a system of communication like what we have now. I don't know about you, but if you decide to bless the light instead of always just cursing the darkness, this is a good day. This is a day that the Lord has made. We're going to be exceedingly joyful as we see God's people understand that this isn't the devil's day. This is God's day. This is a time for us to rejoice. This is a time for us to seize the opportunity and to use every available means to preach this good news of Jesus Christ. It is the fullness of time. James in in Acts chapter 15 says, and he quotes, after this, I will return and I will rebuild the fallen tent of David. I will rebuild its ruins and restore it so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord. How many of you know that God is restoring the fallen tent of David? Why? So that this whole earth can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a tremendous day. And we can choose either to bless the light or curse the darkness. I say today that God wants to spread his light and his goodness around the world. Now, you say, but pastor, don't you realize? Yes, I do. I do. 
I understand that the heathen are still raging. I understand that the devil is still fighting. I understand that it seems like we're in a royal mess. But I also understand that the church has always had a special pair of boots for mess. Amen. We have a special pair of boots to wade through those things and to allow God's goodness to be seen. We just prayed for the coronavirus and its effects on everyone around the world. May I submit that's just another opportunity for the good news of Jesus to shine. You say, well, how is that? By writing Jesus saves on our mask? No. By becoming ministers of his healing power and his grace. And more than anything, being a person of love that's not moved, who stands still, stands strong, and stays the course, no matter what's happening around them. Amen? Now, God wants to work through us. And let me tell you, God needs for us to respond. And, and uh, Ezekiel twenty two thirty, the word says that God looked for somebody to stand in the gap. Y'all remember that verse? We use it for intercessory prayer, right? He says, I looked for somebody to stand in the gap, to repair the wall, to stand in the breach that's been created, that broken down part of life. He says, I look for somebody and the sad words come, but I found no one. What's that say? Well, God doesn't have us on automatic. You're not on automatic. You need to respond. You're not going to do it just because God wants it. You're going to do it out of a heart that says, you know what? I want to be a partner with God. I want to see God do something great in this day. I want to see his work. I still believe that the gospel is what we need in this world today. So God is calling for us. He's looking for somebody. And I, I can tell you, he's looking for someone today. He's looking for someone today. Now, in order to accomplish or accomplish working through us as he desires, God needs some things. First of all, God needs for you to give what you have. To give what you have. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about... Uh, Peter and John going up to the temple to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon. Y'all remember the story, Acts chapter three? They're going to the temple to pray. And as they near, they come across a blind, I'm sorry, a lame beggar. And he's there at the gates. He's been brought there to beg to get some money. And uh, he's positioned there at the temple. And as Peter and John go walking in, he begins to call out to them. He sees them and he begins to say, money, can you, can you give me anything? Do you have something? And uh, Peter and John come into eye contact with him. And it says that Peter says, look at us. Look at us. You remember that verse? Look at us. Now, I've heard that verse preached and I probably preached it a hundred times over the years. But I've heard it preached where Peter is saying, Look at me so you have faith so that you believe. Make eye contact with me, you know. 
And uh, I've read that and I've heard it preached. But as I read it, I don't see that. You know what I see there? I see Peter saying to that old boy, look at me. Does it look like I have any money? Amen. He says, look at me. And then he says, silver and gold, I don't have. So in my vernacular, rural South Carolina, Georgia, look at me. You think I got anything? Are you crazy? I don't have any money, but I do have something. Now, we're going to talk about money today, but we're not going to talk about money. We are, but we're not. We're going to talk about something better. We're going to talk about faith. You say, what? Here's what I'll say to you. If it's just about money, give five bucks and let it ride. If it's just about money, a 20 will do. But if it's about something more important, hold on. Allow God to speak to you. We were out for dinner last night. Your pastor made a beautiful move. We were going through the exit from the parking lot. You had to pay to get out. He pulls out a 20. And the lady says, is that all you have? He said, man, that's all I have. She says, I'm just going to let you go through. I thought, now that was a good trick. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. Carry a big bill when you go through the line. Hopefully, they'll just wave you on through. It's not about money, though, that we're going to talk. We're going to talk about faith because as the scene progresses with Peter and John and this lame beggar, Peter comes back to that man and he says, look, you weren't healed because of us. It's not us, not anything about me. You were healed because of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the first thing I want to say to you today, when we start talking about money, when we start talking about faith promises, when we talk about those things, it is not about money. It's about your heart. It's about your faith. It's about who you're going to trust. It's about what you believe about God. Sometimes having a little money is not the best thing for your faith. Sometimes you have to be put in a position where you got nothing but a prayer. How many of you have ever been there where you have nothing but a prayer? Amen. Sometimes I felt, in fact, a pastor came to me one time. He was starting a brand new church or had a brand new church. And he had a pile of money that he was sitting on. Something like six or eight hundred thousand dollars cash in the bank. Man, that's a dream. It's not a nightmare. It's a dream. And he had a brand new building. And he said, what should I do? I said, give away part of your money. In fact, give away most of it. He said, why? I don't have any people, really. 
I, I might need that money. I said, I understand that, but you work better without money. I've watched you. <laughs> now, I know I'm talking that crazy right now, but I want you to understand. There are some times we work better without money. There's some times that we don't engage until our back is against the wall. The doctor's diagnosis didn't come back good. The work situation seems iffy, but we say, God, can I trust you? And like Peter, we say, this didn't come about because of my sanctity. It became because of faith in God. We need, we need that faith to operate. And God wants you to give what you have. And what you have that he wants is your faith. Years ago, my older brother, Randy, my, some of you may know him. He pastored in a little place or was an assistant in a little place called MedArt, Florida, for years here. And uh, Randy became a missionary, missionary to Egypt for over 20 years, I guess. I traveled there several times to visit with him and, uh, and be with him. And I really loved the times that I spent with him. He was a great missionary, a great man of God. But when we were in Bible college, I didn't appreciate everything about him. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? How many of you know if Jesus was your brother, you'd have had some problems somewhere? <laughs> One day, we got good news in the mail. Mom sent us each some money. I think it was $20, could have been 50, but it was a, a sizable amount back in the early 70s. And uh, we had both gotten that letter on Friday, and uh, I was very happy. And Randy was too, he had some needs that he needed to take care of, and I was just very thankful. Well, uh, the next Monday, I saw him again at the box, the mailbox. This time, uh, he said to me, Rick, I, I need to borrow that money mom sent you. And I said, you got the same money. We both got it. He said, look, I've got to buy some pants. I'm going on a trip with the choir, and I need a certain color pants that I don't have. And I said, but you got money in the mail. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you this because I feel bad about it. I'm sorry that I feel good about it. I feel bad about it. I said, you got money in the mail, brother. I'm sorry. He said, I said, what did you do with your money? He said, I went to church Sunday and there was a missionary. And I said, and? He said, I gave it all to him. I said, you did what? He said, I gave it all. I said, you gave everything that mom sent you to the missionary, and now you need to borrow my money to buy your pants. He said, yeah, I know. But he said, you would have given everything too. I was saying to myself, oh, no, I wouldn't. 
He said, oh, he said the spirit of God was there. He said, I just, I just gave him everything. I said, brother, I'm sorry. You don't have to learn your lesson a different way. And I walked away. Next time we met at the, at the box was in a day or two. We knew when the mail came in, so we'd all hover around the mailboxes, pick up our mail. He had an envelope in his hand. And he flashed it at me like this. He said, oh, by the way, I don't need your 20 bucks. I said, you don't? He said, no. He said, last summer we sang in Alabama at a, at a church. And he said, this man that I met there took a, a liking to me. And he just sent me a hundred bucks. He said, so keep your 20 bucks. <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. God taught me a lesson. God sent Randy checks in the mail. He always gave me another job. You'll get it. All I'd get was another job. But my brother who gave all. And I have to tell you. He didn't just do that. In Bible college. With a pair of pants or 20 bucks in a church service. He gave his life for God. And he still is doing that. But my brother who gave all. Learned something about God. And it's a lesson that I pray that you will learn about God. That God works supernaturally. That God works through things that we think are impossible, that old song says. In ways that we never understand. God is able to send you a check out of the blue. You say, should I wait for that? Absolutely not. But when it comes, remember, God is your supernatural source. You say, does it happen always that way? No, no. And we shouldn't look for that. But what we should expect is that if God puts it in your heart to do something, God will perform what he says he will do. And he begins to work when we begin to understand that he is a provider in supernatural ways to his people. Again, it's easy to get one of these cards. I've done it all my life. And I remember when I would work through what I was comfortably able to give. And I never saw the supernatural blessings. I always just worked another job. But I came to find out that God wanted something else. He wanted to reveal himself in another way, a greater way than I had experienced because I was a person who could see God working through the natural. I worked the job, I get the check, I give the money. 
but I never expected that God would open up the windows of heaven in that way. I never saw him favoring me in ways beyond the ordinary or the natural. But there is a secret realm that God works in that he invites you in today. And it is to trust him. And sometimes at his beck and call to give all. To go beyond. To give it away. We do this to learn the miraculous provision of God. Are y'all still with me? God wants to work through you. And if you want something good to flow through you, allow the supernatural power of God to take hold of you. We are a Pentecostal church, full gospel church, charismatic church, all of those things, whatever that is. But what it does invite us to believe is that God is working today. God is empowering us today to live for him that he's here right now and there is a real connection with him through our faith not only do we learn or need to learn the supernatural provision of God the miraculous provision of God but we need to do it sometimes for others now I'm getting older me and pastor are about the same age, I think. We're both 66. I'm 66 already. You're going to be 66. So we've been around a while. We've got a whole lot of friends have gone on before us. Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses. I got some friends in that cloud. I got some people I know that are up there cheering us on. And if they're witnesses and they have seen something, they know something, they've experienced something. But when we think about missions, we have to think about those who have gone before us. Those who gave of themselves and gave themselves for the cause of the gospel. But not only that, we need to think of those who are living now, who are in need of the word of God and those who will come behind us. How many of you have started to think about the next generation? You know, one of the sorriest stories in the Bible, I think, is when Hezekiah showed the riches of the temple. Remember that story, Terrell? And the prophet of God came to Hezekiah and he said, you didn't show him everything. He said, yeah, I did. And the prophet said to him, since you did this, because you did this, they're going to take your sons and your daughters and they're going to bind them up and they're going to carry them away. They're going to lose their freedom. And he prophesied the terror that's going to befall the Jewish people. And Hezekiah says, well, at least it won't happen while I'm alive. That's one of the sorry. He was a great man in a lot of ways, but he said something really sorry there. How many of y'all know what sorry means? That's Southern talk. 
That's when the sweet tea ain't sweet. <laughs> and you say, that's sorry. I'm sorry, that's sorry. Well, he said one of the most sorry things in the world, at least it won't befall me. May I ask of you, never have that attitude. Never say, well, I won't have to worry about that. Never say, at least it won't happen to me in my time. I'll be gone by then. Don't say that. Don't think that. And don't have that kind of faith. The promises to us and to our children and to our children's children. And as far off as we can see, God wants to bless the earth. He wants to bless it through us. And right now is a pivotal moment. While this earth spins and all the trouble, all the difficulty, again, God is setting us up for a mighty move of his spirit to usher in the end times. God is doing something that will change this world. I believe that God is at work even when we don't see it. <laughs> if I could divert a minute. One time I went into a jail to preach. I was in Bible college. I'd never been in jail before. That's a scary place to be. Even if you know they're going to let you out later. It's scary. I don't care. I went in there and I had never preached to a group like that or anywhere for that matter, I don't think. And they had a cell block with three cells, three cells. And each one of them had, I think, uh, six, six convicts per cell block. And I had to preach to them. They just left me there and said, okay, have at it. So I started walking up and down so they could all see me. And I was preaching my heart out. I don't know what I said. Probably, you know, I, I know I made it through. And I was happy. And I got through and I gave an altar call. And when I did, all of them but one responded. All of them. And so it kind of threw me. I said, look, you don't have to respond. I'm not going to give you anything, you know. And I want you to understand what you're responding to. I'm asking you if you want to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I'm asking you if you're going to change your life and, and live for him. I'm asking you if you allow his spirit to come in and invade you and change you from the inside out. And all the guys that lifted their hands, it may have not been all of them. I know one didn't, but they all raised their hands again. And I said, wait a minute, y'all don't understand. And I explained it again, walking up and down explaining it. And I said, so after saying that, how many of you want to commit your life to Jesus? Now raise their hands again. I said, hot dog. So I prayed with them. And handed them a piece of literature. And then after everything was settled, one of the guys came up to me. And another inmate came close to him. And that inmate said, this is our Bible study leader. God sent him here ahead of you. 
And he's told us everything we need to know about Jesus. We just needed a preacher to come so that we could make it official. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I felt great. My balloon was burst. I thought, I'm the next Billy Graham. <laughs> and I found out I'm just another inmate in God's program. I say to you, with all the stuff going on, God's working behind the scenes. They just need an official word. They need a preacher who will be sent. They need somebody who will come. They need somebody who will step out and believe God. Somebody who will say, God, let me be a part of this work. Edmund Burke talks about a partnership of generations. He was an old uh, philosopher centuries gone by. But he talks about the partnership that we have between each generation and a contract that we have between these generations. And I want to say to you today, young people, we've got a contract. Because it doesn't end with me. It doesn't end with Pastor Terrell. It goes on and it goes on and hopefully it goes on until Jesus comes. That contract is real. It was signed in blood by many people generations ago. People who gave their lives to see God do something. I reread recently an account of two young men, Moravian men, back in the 18th century, who found out that there was an island that had not been evangelized. In fact, it was in the Virgin Islands. I think it's the Danish Virgin Islands. And there were slaves on the island who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were both compelled. One was a carpenter, the other was, a, I think, a shoemaker. But they both decided that they needed to go and tell these people about Jesus. So they booked passage on a ship. And as they were crossing the ocean, they came across someone who had lived there on that island, not as a slave, but as one who was more privileged. In their conversation, they found out that even if you go there, the slaves' lives were tightly held. You won't be able to talk with them. You won't be able to tell them about Jesus. There is no way you'll have access. They live out on the plantation. You won't be able to get there. They're closely guarded. The young men thought about it. So when they arrived at the island, they found the master of the slaves and they sold himself into slavery so that they could win those who had never heard so that they could tell them about Jesus. You say, wow, that is way out there. No, it's not. We have people today who are giving themselves for the call of God, who are endangering their lives every day, every 
hour of the day for this call. We have a contract with them. And that contract says they will not have died in vain. And we will not withhold what we have when we can give to make it the world that they dreamed of. And finally, we do it for God. If we're going to allow God to work through us, we need to do it for him. Abraham built an altar. He worshiped God. It says, after God revealed these amazing things to him, he took some dirt and stone and he built an altar and there he worshiped God. Now, God is everywhere. How many of you will agree that God's everywhere? But how many of you will also agree that God is greater in some places than he is in the others? And I will tell you where, wherever he's worshiped. Abraham stopped and he built an altar and he says God will be worshipped in this place and that place became revered for the children of Israel and he was worshipped there for centuries after God is calling for us to go everywhere and to stop and build altars of remembrance so that he might be worshipped. This morning, God wants you to be a part of a tremendous mission. And that mission is to take what belongs to God. By the way, those two young Moravian men, when they landed, they both said together out loud so everyone could hear them, to win for the lamb that was lost the reward of his suffering as they got off the boat. To win for the lamb who was lost the reward of his suffering. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof or everything that's in it and all who live in it. We're in a work of reclamation God wants us to be his partner and he wants to work through us. And he wants us to build altars of worship all over this earth so that men might come to know him and worship him. Now, this is a special card. Doesn't have any power of its own or in its own. But... It's a way that God wants to work through you. As I said earlier, it's really easy to take this and without really thinking about it, write something very quickly in. Don't, don't really think about it. Don't pray about it. Just write something and kind of get the monkey off your back. I did something. I did my faith promise. But God wants more. He wants not only what you can easily think you can do. He wants what you can only do through him. And what he really desires to do through you. He wants you to understand that if he speaks it to you, 
that you'll commit yourself in every way to see him do it through you. That if it means another job, or if it means believing that God will provide through a check that you don't expect, that God will do it. I, uh, I went to a, an Orthodox church one time, never been to one. And as I entered in, there was a wall and it had pictures on it. And I knew that they were similar to other faiths that might have worshipped icons or statues or things. But I looked at these pictures and I went and I asked someone what that was about. Do you worship these people? Because they were just men. And the priest or person that was attending the church said, no, we don't worship them. We worship through them. I said, what? He said, we don't worship them. We worship through them. We have access to God through them. And I said, wow. Um, he called them icons. In fact, you have them on your, you, you, you have them on your computer screen. They're icons. And what happens when you click on an icon, what happens? It opens up something else. What this person explained to me said, no, no, I'm not recommending icons. Please don't go and bring one in here next Sunday. Okay. But what I'm saying is this. Sometimes God uses, and, and they're thinking, God uses something to open the door for something else. Here's what this will do. It will open the door for something else. Predominant word on here is faith promise. It's not a pledge. Nobody will collect from you. It's between you and God. But it opens the door for something else to happen. It opens the door for God to show you something greater. Father, the next few moments are important. There are opportunities. There are holes that God will open to pour into us something else, something greater. I'm thankful for this church and what they have done. It's miraculous. I'm thankful for all that they have given. It's wonderful. But Lord, I ask for more. I ask you that you would pour out blessings that are unfathomable. And God, that you would show them a greater way through faith that maybe they have not seen before. And Lord, I thank you for it. I pray, Lord God, that both this morning and tonight we will see you being outpoured and your grace shown as sufficient once again for everything we need in this life to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. 
Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.